Hi, students of PDMP, and uh, welcome to this additional podcast to support week three. In this week's lectures, we well, we started to touch upon the concept of service design. And as I mentioned, I could quite easily give an entire 10-week course on service design. Um, but unfortunately, we only had uh, a bit of week three to cover it. Um, but to give you that additional perspective, that industry expertise and knowledge, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be joined here by Daniel Tuitt, who is an experienced service designer. And he's going to share with us his perspectives, his experience of service design, and also share with uh, all of you some parting wisdom to uh, you know, help you in your future service design endeavors as you uh, progress uh, after this course. So Daniel, it's an absolute pleasure uh, for, you, for us to have you here. Um, Please, I'd love to hear an introduction uh, to yourself. Uh, who's Daniel Tewitt? Thank you, Risa. The pleasure is all mine, to be honest. So who is Daniel Tewitt? I'm someone that's always been passionate around how do we not just improve services just for one user group, let's say the end customer, but how do we look at the bigger picture from a tactical and strategic point of view? And how do we even go into depth when we start figuring out how to get all the components needed to create a service? I've been working in innovation, strategy, and design for pretty much over a decade now. Um, over the last couple of years, I've shifted more towards service design and business design, and there's a difference between the two, which I'll go over a little bit later on. For the last three years, I've been um, running and having a portfolio career. So that means almost 70% of the time I get to work with large organizations. I've worked with a host of them. You probably see some on my LinkedIn, the likes of BSI, does some work with the Ministry of Justice and a host of other organizations over the years. Other 30% is really focusing on uh, how do I help startups, especially underrepresented founders and startups in general, working with social enterprises. So I do a lot of work with an organization called OpenIGEO, and they actually specialize in helping organizations and small businesses and communities really reimagine how to scale up social initiatives from uh, sustainability. Uh, global equality and also health, both mental and physical. And I do some um, design mentoring as well on the side. That's really great to hear. And, and uh, you know, when we look at the kind of backgrounds of everyone that's on our course, uh, I always like to think of uh, the phrase squiggly career paths. Everyone can have such diverse backgrounds. And um, so I'd love to know, you know, obviously that's where you're more or less uh, where, where you are right now and where you've been kind of recently. But how did you start to get into service design? Well, I love the term Squiggly Careers. There's a fantastic podcast by the same name. I think I've just um, ordered one of their books as well, but that's a separate conversation for another time. Um, the two ladies have got their names now. They've, um, they do some great work there. But um, yes, I think my career has been completely squiggly in um, that context. And that means it's always changing. It's always evolving over time. And even what I'm doing now, I think in the next two to three years, it's going to slightly change based on the needs um, of myself and also what the market needs as well. Uh, I started out as an innovation consultant. So working for a large technology company, we were working with the likes of um, Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, creating these new enterprise solutions, which was amazing. And I say innovation consultant slash product owner in some cases, because we were working with not just the customers, but also the technology um, providers to figure out how can we create bespoke solutions. And we were using design thinking at that time. 
So in some ways, there were elements of server design, even from that stage, because we were thinking about all the key components of all different layers that can really impact how a solution can be successful, not just um, for one um, customer, one user, but also how it impacts the employees, looking at their legacy systems, looking at some of the policies that could be impacted over time, and also how could this scale as a business model for an organization. Um, I moved quite quickly to work with some startups on the side. Um, uh, over over the first two years working as an innovation consultant, I found some opportunities to contract. Uh, I did a lot of work with um, two challenges, mass, the mass challenge, which was focused on helping organizations that were medium-sized get grant money. And this is work with um, Innovate UK. Then I moved back into um, the digital side of things, which is more strategy-based. And um, over time, I worked with a number of different agencies. One of them, which is Capco, I believe that's where we actually uh, officially met, which was great. Then from there, I continued moving on, but then I realized a lot of the stuff I'm doing um, linked into server design, and I repositioned myself quite easily into focusing more, mainly on the server design as a key skill set. Great. I, that's super useful because I'm sure there'll be many people listening to this that, you know, the uh, service design may have piqued their interest. Um, so, you know, we'll touch on this uh, towards the end of this podcast uh, about further resources. Um, what I think it would be really great to have, though, now is in this week's lecture, I've provided uh, the students with an introduction to what service design is. Um, but as a practicing uh, professional in the service design space, I'd love to hear your perspective of what service design is to you and what it means to you. Fantastic. So service design, it's looking at a, it could be a product service or proposition, or figuring out how that impacts an existing way of doing things and creating a new value. So for a good example, I'll break down services or when you're applying service design to three different areas. The first one is when you're trying to improve an existing service, for example. So let's say if you're working with an organization and they've got an out of date HR system, for example, how do you navigate the whole team, the whole organization to create something brand new? The second part is more of the reimagining. So you're reimagining industries, reimagining places, for example, a project I worked on, I'm not going to mention the name at all. I was working with um, one of the world's largest um, insurance brokers, probably gives it away in some way, um, <laughs> but they specialized in, or they really wanted to reimagine this whole um, landscape. And this is working with thousands of different stakeholders. Uh, and, this, and they had a certain way of doing things for the last 200 years. They wanted to figure out um, how would changing certain processes, certain systems, certain people's roles across the whole process can actually create new value and how would that impact them not just now, but in the next five to 10 years. So there was more of almost adding a lens of um, strategic foresight to that side of, this whole side of things. And the final part is more blue ocean where you're creating a brand new opportunity, something that's brand new, a brand new white space in terms of service. Uh, and I've done, I've done a, lot of, a lot of work in that space. Um, I actually won't go into the example, but it's when you're creating something brand new, where you're creating um, something new for brand new customer space, uh, sorry, a brand new customer base in general, or you're exploring a brand new market that that specific brand is not um, familiar with, but it's also looking at all the different layers. So it's the user experience, the employee experience, and what is the uh, back-end operations that can support um, all those key um, interactions. Are there anything such as policies or strategies that can embed or might impact the delivery of that new service in general? 
over time and how are you measuring success in general for all the different stakeholders? And there's so many different ways to look at this. Um, I can go on about service design all day, but there are some other key uh, areas you really need to think about, the dimensions in general. And that's thinking about how you collaborate with different people, how you can actually share stories and get buy-in over time. I, I think a lot of people really think about server design and they really compare it to, oh, we're just making service maps, for example. Not necessarily. Uh, it could be something around, oh, we're just focusing on the discovery side of things. That's not important as well. You're not just creating an online or offline um, service in general. We're trying to consider all of them at once. So it's trying to get that full picture, bringing everyone involved. Because if you're a server designer and you're leaving um, the organization or your role is just to deliver that service, there are other people that need to adopt it over time. So getting that buy-in is really key. And there's other elements as well, which I can go into. But I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I think that it is so important, as you said, where it's, uh, you know, from my perspective, when I look into service design, that it's really considering more than just the, you know, one end user's perspective. It's kind of thinking about the, um, it's almost like an onion, right? There's layers and layers upon layers of different stakeholders that you can begin to consider. Definitely, definitely. I think a lot of times we forget about that. We, so I've worked in organizations before, and this is another case that you need to consider is, what does an organization consider as server design? So I've worked in innovation labs, I've worked for government, I've worked for large um, consultancy firms, small agencies, I've worked in-house, and they all perceive um, the value of server design slightly differently. So it's being able to align with that and also start the conversation, start to ask people what the server design means to you. Um, when your students actually get into the service design profession. And then once you start getting those exchanges and start to get common language in terms of what they need and what value you can bring, that's really where you can start um, almost infecting people with server design. I shouldn't use infect infection because we're still in COVID times. Yeah, but... given the current, the current situation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can leave that in, that's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, and and so obviously for for our student audience, uh, we have loads of people that in the future are looking to take it into an entrepreneurial direction. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I guess I would maybe kind of frame this as a much larger question, which is like, why should people kind of care about service design? Like, what makes it so impactful or interesting? So it's uh, a little bit of a quick sell on service yes, design. Yes, yes. So server design is a mindset. It's not about making service blueprints. And I keep on telling people this. So as I alluded to before, um, in my spare time or in my 30% part of my portfolio, a lot of what I do is mentoring, working with um, startups or founders that want to design better services, products and offerings for the world. And a lot of what I teach is server design in some way or some form. If you think about um, Elon Musk, for example, he's a service design thinker in some ways, because he doesn't just, doesn't just think about um, electric cars, he thinks about the whole ecosystem. He considers the need for um, the right type of networks, the right type of charging points. How does he um, ensure that he can develop and um, basically launch out his new cars in general. I think he did an amazing thing and I could be wrong, but um, there's a huge um, chip shortage at this, at this moment mm -hmm. in time. And he found the way to continually manufacture his cars um, by changing the components around um, for his vehicles. So that takes a level of um, wider and holistic thinking um, in some very systems thinking around looking at problems in different ways. 
and those type of mindsets if we can have let's say all your students think like Elon Musk not exactly like Elon Musk um not too sure about some of his tweets but that's for another conversation <laughs> um I told you this would be fun uh think about some of the amazing ideas and the services we can really bring into the world yeah and 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 there I think like what I love about what you've said there and um, so in class we, we we did a service design blueprint example but on that point that I just want to really cover to the students you know that is not that's like one tiny sliver of a way of doing or starting to think of service design that is not service design in its entirety um, so it really does encapture, encapsulate that real holistic thinking, um, uh, as, as Daniel said. So that's really interesting. And, and then I guess, uh, you know, as you've worked with so many entrepreneurs, uh, when they've tried to kind of engage that service design mindset, what do you commonly see that, uh, you know, service design entrepreneurs uh, begin to struggle with? You know, what, what makes service design potentially difficult? Well, I think it's, you have to be pretty special to be an entrepreneur to go the full distance. And when I say that, it's a good thing in, in general. You have to have a level of you can change the world or that you're right because so many people are going to shut the door in your face to say your idea doesn't work or no, we're not interested in your idea in general. Sometimes that can be reframed in terms of they think they know the answer without understanding the whole um problem in general so focusing on the solution rather than the problem mindset and in that case when we go back to serve design it's trying to figure out what are some of the other components that can impact the success of their ideas going forward so looking at and um, their wider ecosystem are there other players out there that could they could they can partner with to build out and scale up their idea for example are there any policies or any new shifts within the market that can impact them um, how they deliver ideas um if they're focused on one problem or one idea for a certain customer, for example, what if their customer evolves over time? How is their product serves a proposition going to evolve with them in general? Um, those are the, the problems. A lot of entrepreneurs that I work with sometimes are really fixed on just they've got a solution, they think it's right, and they just want to get it out there as quickly as possible. And there, there are opportunities and there are ways to do that. The, the Lean Startup methodology is still a good, process to go through which is you probably told your students but it's build measure learn quickly by experimenting testing and validating ideas but the issue with that is they're so focused on just the solution they forget to um, really look at the problem state and really think about how big that is in general hmm. and and i i think uh it's almost like a little bit of a um attention you know introducing uh, service design in the context of a course that's called product development and prototyping is because it almost starts to become okay where where does this go from you know product development and prototyping to like you know I see it was like service design that almost sits larger and then that can become very blurry into almost like business design and you know we start to talk about things like internal culture and mindsets um, so yeah I'd, I'd love to hear about you know where you sort of see those those differentiating uh, points between, you know, being product focused versus, you know, service design and, and when it can be useful. Why can't we have both? So I'll challenge that in terms of, <laughs> it's it's a state where I work um, currently with the role I'm working on. Um, so I'm, I'm working as a senior service designer, but um, I work very closely with the delivery manager, with the product owner, with the product managers to scope out exactly what we're looking at. 
And if something is wrong, I will challenge the team and the product owners to say, we're actually developing the wrong type of solution. We need to go back. We need to make sure that we're really thinking about this long-term. Is this scalable? Um, how are certain customers and user groups going to adopt this over time? Have we looked at their existing ecosystem? What are some of the blockers rather than just pushing out a solution in general? And Reese, what was really interesting is that you started mentioning other components of what service design could be. Um, I've worked across different organizations. I've met some amazing server designers over time, and you can wear different hats. I know server designers that are really focused on policy making, for example, which is really key, or organizational design, which is another aspect as well, looking at the culture, looking at how um, businesses uh, develop and shape different um, ways of working as, let's say, an organization restructures or goes through a pandemic, for example. And there's just so many different ways of looking at things. You've got more traditional UXE type of service designers that are really good at breaking down different user groups' needs and synthesizing that and then sharing that with other people, that storytelling side of things, which is really key. Um, it, there's so many different flavors. I think um, we always get too focused on the service design as a label. I've seen some amazing practitioners that do not have the service design title, but they're doing service design. Uh, so that's one thing I'll definitely tell um, all your students that um, if you're pursuing a role in serve design, don't just focus on the title, focus about what you're doing, the value you're creating over time. Are you being able to work with multidisciplinary teams to really get towards a really holistic problem state um, and develop the right type of solution as well? Uh, that's really key. Yeah, I, know, I think onto that point where... Um... You know, so often we like to think that job titles give us that nice security of saying, oh, I should be doing these types of things. And, you know, I, I would say as someone that comes uh, as a UX researcher, you know, my professional experience right now is as a UX researcher. I was doing UX research type things long before I had the job title. And mm -hmm. I think with service design still being, you know, I think it's fair to say quite an emergent field, right? It's still relatively new in the grand scheme of uh, experience design and, and customer experience thinking, um, you know, you don't find that many people out there that have, you know, their job role as defined as, hey, I'm a service designer. Exactly. Um, it's such an evolving role at the time. And I think people push, and this is myself as well, people push service designers in a, a nice little neat box to say, okay, then you're a service designer we want you to put together a service map or an end-to-end -end journey in general, or we want you to lead workshops. That's aspects of it, but anyone within an organization, if you empower them to do that, they can do those same skills as well. A server designer has almost governance over everything. And I always label it as a server designer is part strategy in terms of they can navigate, storytell, um, make sense of the bigger picture and get, team members to come together to understand what that looks like from different parts of the organization and outside stakeholders, the research side, making sense of things, connecting the dots um, and helping to make clear decision-making uh, processes for the short-term and long-term and also that design element. How can you show or how can you visualize or how can you use design thinking in the right way to make it really um, effortless for anyone that's interacting with that service, not just the end user, but anyone throughout the whole journey. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we come back to that, you know, point on it's almost that holistic, multi-dimensional, multi-stakeholder thinking, right? Um, and so as we uh, 
uh, kind of look out into the world at the moment. Uh, from your experience, who do you think, uh, you know, you've already mentioned Elon Musk and touched on uh, Tesla, um, but who else or what other companies that you see out there do you think they are really nailing service design and why do you think they're nailing service design? So that's interesting. So I think it's hard to nail service design flat out because if you think about it, it's always evolving. Services are always evolving people's needs are always evolving and growing over time. Um, funny enough, I was, I was going to blank out and just say Elon Musk and Tesla again, but I'm actually wearing a device that's a perfect service slash product. So I'm not too sure if you're familiar with this. I'm, I'm not too sure if this is um, recording in terms of videos, but I've got something called an Aura Ring. Hmm. I'm not too sure if you've heard this before. So it's a wearable technology that's a ring and it can, man- it can measure your... Um, your sleep patterns, your heart rate, and um, they just come out with the, the third generation, which I'm wearing right now. I've got a second generation somewhere um, in my box, um, in my bedroom somewhere. But what's, what's really great about it, it's, it's been able to expand its use case for different people. So during COVID, which was still pretty much, and hopefully we're in an endemic now, but it was able to re-trigger some, a lot of that data to help people that were facing or were impacted by COVID. So that actually got that data and actually worked with a lot of um, universities, um, a lot of um, med tech organizations to really think about, okay, how can we solve or tackle or understand COVID in some way or some form? And that's what a service is. It's, it's looking at it at different layers. They're not just a health app or health um, ring. There is an app with this as well, which is great, but it's really around how can you um, use some of your capabilities and support other parts of the journey over time. That's amazing. They're also doing some amazing stuff as well. I think, uh, I can't, well, I, I won't know, but they can also um, manage women's um, cycles as well to tell you, or tell them, should I say, um, when they're going through their cycle. So they're doing some amazing things and they're working with a lot of amazing partners. I believe they're doing some work with MBA at the moment, as car and, um, oh, a whole host of different organizations with their, not just their their, their um, physical product, but with their data. And that's the more services side of things. That's a really great example. And I, I, I hadn't um, heard of that uh, product before, so I'll definitely uh, have to check it out some more. Um, and yeah, and uh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll share it on uh, the Moodle page for the students as well. Um, so on the one hand, you know, you've kind of got what companies are doing it well. Um, and I won't ask you to kind of share you know, which clients that you've worked with have done it well. But when you've worked with clients on service design and, you know, maybe um, I imagine you've not just always been the sole service designer. And what are traits that kind of make a high performing service design team or or organization that adopts service design mindsets? Like what, what makes the difference? That's a really interesting question. So from my point of view and from my experience as well, it's always the organizations that get what service design is. And one of my key roles as a contractor or when I go into an organization is that education and understanding piece. So understanding where they are in their journey and that's from understanding service design, but also um, the problem they're trying to solve, where are they currently and how can we best work with each other? Um, The most important advice I'll give to anyone is Listen, I mean, re-listen to understand what people's challenges are because people just become a lot smaller once you start understanding 
where they're framing their own um, perspective from, what are their mental models around looking at um, challenges within the organisation. Because they, they could have been working there for 20 years, really frustrated, and they've just, I wouldn't say given up, but they've got only a certain perspective of how a solution can be solved. How do you work, work with them? How do you help them believe um, in change again over time? And we're going to change change management so I find a part of server design as well. And there's, it's, a, it's a messy um, job title, to be honest, depending on how you frame it as well. Yeah. And, and almost on the flip side of that, you know, what would you say are maybe some of the, the most common mistakes that you see when people try service design? Because as you said, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy field by a, by a long stretch of the imagination. That's an easy one. I've <laughs> I've been in a lot of projects where um, it's been really hard. Let's just say that. And I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is just that aspect of they want a quick fix to serve design. They want a solution yesterday. And I don't understand that serve design is not just launching a new product or service. It's that successful implementation over time. It's making sure that everything fits into place. And I'll probably repeat myself. So I, I remember saying this so many different times, but to me, good service design is not even knowing that the service design has even gone there. The whole process, the way of doing things is so smooth that um, you don't even know anyone's touched it. It's just everything from the before, during, after to every single interaction is so smooth. It just makes sense. Um, I can't, well, the aura, aura ring is a really good example, but um it's really hard to find a service or product out there where every single part from the customer service to delivery to how you see the product to everything is just completely seamless. And yeah. that's what good service design looks like. Uh, other points in terms of what bad service design um, can be as well is when you, the people that you work with, they're keeping things from you and you can't have access to the right information to make sense of the wider problem. And um, it's when using some buzzwords here, but when you see um, teams and organizations work in silos, they're working in their own little groups, they're working on their own little projects and people are not working together, having conversations to understand what the bigger pictures are. Because in most cases, you're either working on the same type of project or you can learn from each other as well. Um, and what I, what I sometimes find, especially when I start a project, um, usually I have something called a phase zero where there's an alignment with the teams or with the organization, I start understanding who are starting to keep people around the organization or around the wider ecosystem of stakeholders I need to talk to. And you start building relationships. You start understanding slowly what they need from you. How can you help them? And how can you better work and connect the dots over time? Yeah, and, and, and on that point, like, uh, you know, I would go and say in service design, it's absolutely crucial that you have that relationship building. But, you know, whichever level of design you come in at, like, you know, I work as a UX researcher. Uh, and in, in that perspective, honestly, one of the most important things that I find is to actually get team buy-in and alignment that, you know, I'm asking the right questions. And I imagine you find that it's a similar case when you're doing service design, that it's like getting buy-in agreement um, and then also getting people to kind of potentially be a bit excited about what you're doing because that excitement and goodwill can go a long way. Exactly. Very funny point. I'm literally writing a blog post about um, getting buying at the moment because still, even to this day, 
um, stakeholder engagement, buy-in, storytelling. It's all part of the process. Different people resonate to different stories. I always say, um, whoever you're presenting to, what's in it for them? What's going to make them look good over time? Um, and some people might say, oh, they only care about, they don't care about themselves. It's always about them. How, how do they look in general? Even, even today with this conversation, that's a question that we always have to ask ourselves. Um, so you're completely right. That buy-in, that engagement, how you present your work as well. And that can be through a visual diagram of a service blueprint as is map, uh, a service map of any type of form. Or it could just be by sharing key data and also knowing that you're on their side. And that going back to that listening point again, have you heard what they had to say? Um, and making sure that you're not just challenging them, but you have had not, you've understood exactly what point they're coming from, but you're changed in a certain way where they can almost align and say, okay, that I've been heard at least. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it really is like um, surprising how much difference that can make when people feel genuinely listened to. And, uh, you know, as we, as we come to like the, the end of, of this, uh, of this podcast recording, um, I'll wrap up just with one final question, which would be, do you have any parting wisdom for students uh, on, on our course that are new or wanting to engage a service design uh, mindset and skill set? So I think it's about explore, um, exploring. So going almost um, full circle again, that squiggly career side of things. I didn't know exactly what I wanted until I started exploring different opportunities. I think the biggest, what's the best word for it? The biggest challenge or probably one of the saddest things I'll probably see for a young person that wants to go into server design is having a fixed mindset on they want to work for this company, they want to work in server design only, they only want to do all this type of stuff. Explore and experiment, see what really resonates with you. And because it could be server design or it could be a different form. What are your values? And they will grow the more time you get experience doing different things over time. And also a final point as well, could you start exploring the service design ecosystem? When I, when I mean that, start speaking to people. I believe you're on ADP uh, list, which is an amazing platform. Um, so am I as well. There are some amazing designers in general that are on that platform. Start having real conversation with them to understand the day-to-days because every server designer will tell you something slightly different in terms of their roles, their challenges, what they love, why they did it, how they got there in the first place. And one story might resonate with you, the listener, in some way. And that's it. That's wonderful. Honestly, thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for sharing uh, with us your experiences and providing us that extra uh, you know, practitioner in the field perspective uh, that hopefully should bring some of the content we've touched on in the lecture to life. So thank you once again. It's been a real pleasure and uh, I look forward to catching up with you at some point in the future. Fantastic. My pleasure.